Welcome to the Men Among Demons podcast. In a disoriented world, this is the podcast that asks what would happen if we truly put Christ at the center of our thinking. I'm your host, Dr. Daniel Opperwall. And I'm your host, Dr. Greg Weeb. Hi, Greg. Hey, man. Well, Greg, I know you've been thinking uh, kind of a lot for various reasons lately about work, career, you know, what we do, what we do with our time, with our labor, our relationship to the economy as Christians. And, you know, it just occurs to me that's a pretty huge topic, something that affects basically everybody's life in one way or the other. And um, so, yeah, I guess my only question for you to start off this episode is what, what you've been thinking about work. Um, work is BS, man. It's yeah. for the, it's for the, it's for the birds. Yeah. It's just... <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that's it. That's all there is to it. <laughs> what makes it BS, Greg? Uh, well, no, it's not. You know, some sense of some, a sense of contribution, a sense of productivity, I think is really important. Um, I probably the probably the question is what does what does work have to do with vocation? Yeah. What does work have to do with what you feel like you're called to do? Does everyone have a calling? What if I? Oh, good question. What if I push the question that you know, turn it right back around? Does everyone have a vocation? Do you think? Like my, my all my thoughts about work, all have to do with the tension I feel between uh, the the things I want to be doing and the things that I have to do. Right. And the things that I want to be doing, not just in the sense of like, I want to go sit on a beach somewhere, but like there, which is, would also be nice. Right. That's also, that's nice. But what I want to be doing in the sense of like contributing to the world, contributing to my craft, contributing to the church, you know, there are things there's, there's a, you know, the things that I think I can offer that I don't, I don't have any time to do because I, I got to work and what I do for work doesn't allow me to do those things. You know, we talked, we've, we've talked in the past about a lot about academics. We've got an episode on universities and, and so forth. Like one of the key insights from our conversations to me has been how those of us involved in the in the intellectual life on, on the one hand and those of uh, those of us involved in the mind of the church who are interested in in christian theology and doctrine and and that kind of thing um for spiritual reasons reasons of the heart and reasons of the gospel and sharing the good news and all that like for those of us for whom those two things coincide like we think of we we've thought of ourselves at least in the past as like wanting to work in a university be but but kind of for instrumental reasons right like not because the university is anything to us per se but because being a professor allows people like us to do the kind of thing that we want to do right mm-hmm. to think about the th- kinds of things we want to think about um so yeah, I don't know, man. Like, so with with that not, you know, with that not working out for me in that traditional academic sense. Yeah, nor, nor me, at least not completely. Right. Like I'm left, sort of left with this open question. 
and I guess throwing the question about vocation back is is a, is to wonder like is this something that everyone deals with? Is this some something that only some of us deal with? Like, and is it just because of the of the nature of the work that we do, uh, the the nature of the scholarship we do? But yeah, I think I think there's a real tension there. Yeah, no, and no I doubt. Don't know I don't know how to resolve it. I know. So I'm not like, you know, you asked the question about, okay, that's a, it's a really good question. It's very important. I think a lot of Christians get into this business of, of really wrangling with work, with their career, you might say, which is a whole, a whole category that's probably worth unpacking at some point here. But, and, I, and I've definitely been one of them in the past and to some degree, even now, I suppose. But I'm pretty, I'm pretty down on vocations. I'm pretty low on vocations. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, you said, does everybody have a vocation? I don't know. I'm definitely not convinced that they do. I'm not in any way convinced. You know, there, there's a lot of language of vocation in a lot of circles among Christians that, I, you know, I guess it derives from this notion of God sort of having a, a plan or something or... Uh-huh. I don't like where exactly in, you know, scripture or anywhere in the tradition. Do you ever really see that? I mean, certainly in the ancient literature. Like, OK, so one of the spaces we often see this is with, with respect to clergy and monasticism, where, where this is notion that there's a special vocation, special calling to these roles in particular. And then that can kind of radiate out to thinking about, you know, every possible job is somehow a vocation. Um but I don't know. I mean, if I think if you look at most of the Christian literature from most of history, I I don't think you ever see that idea or that word. Right. That there's a special calling, a special vocation to the priesthood or something like that. It seems like a very modern, recent kind of thing that people have started talking about. Yeah. Well, how are you? Yeah. When you when you reject when you sort of resist the notion of vocation, what notion? What's your notion of vocation that you're resisting? Is it just the just the priesthood? But well, you're I, talking I, about... I am I am resisting it even there. But I mean, I'm I'm seeing it. Like I think a lot of Christians, including a lot of Orthodox, will get into the business of seeing, you know, like as though career selection or job choice is somehow about like figuring out like what kind of God wants you to do. And I sort of wonder if that is, you know, it will be a real research project. To, to really prove it. But my instinct as someone who's read a lot of ancient Christian and medieval Christian literature is that that you just don't really see that ever um, w- for any job. And I wonder if it's a modern thing that arises from this culture we have around us, wherein jobs are very, very defining of who we are and career is extremely important to the definition of a person. And so you kind of Christianize that by saying, oh, almost it's almost like the culture is saying, okay, God must be very interested in that also. God must care an awful lot about what I do with my career because it's so self-evidently important what I do with my career. But then you, you transport yourself back into the literature of a, of a culture that doesn't even know, wouldn't even know what you're talking about when you say the word career <laughs> would have really no parallel. Con- and, and so, and then you just don't, you just don't see that assumption. Like people have jobs, people have work, you know, they do the kind of work they have a trade maybe, you know, you, you know, you might have a trade. Is there a difference between having a trade and a vocation? You know, yeah, a trade I think is great. A vocation. I don't know. I think that might be just a modern thing that actually might be more toxic than it's worth personally. Well, a trade is a, 
the connotations are kind of the opposite, right? A vo- yeah. Vocation is like a calling. I mean, vocation literally just means calling, right? But a, but the but the connotation is that it's a calling from God, and a trade is like a, a trade is is down oriented, right? It's mm-hmm. it's just it's sort of completely socially oriented. Yeah, well, f- f- you know, fulfilling a function in society. Yeah, um, you you have a set of skills, you know. That you are able to use to, you know, make a living. You know, tent making for Paul, carpentry for Jesus. You know, it's like it's got to be knew how to do. It's got to the 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 idea of vocation lining, like vocation and career lining up, uh, has got to be related to um, the 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 Protestant work ethic and spirit of capitalism, right? Like it's got to be it's got to be that, right? So you know, so we we have we sort of theologically in the Protestant Reformation um, say that, you know, oppose, oppose faith and works and, and you, there's nothing you can do uh, to either earn your salvation or really participate in it. Uh, um, but, but work comes back around and through the, the, through the back door as the manifestation of blessedness, the manifestation of, of mm-hmm. salvation. So salvation in and of itself is just an, an instance of, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the sort of cognitive, uh, ascent to believing in God. And then, and then, you know, your, your, your life is supposed to play out in, in certain Christian ways and including, including in your work life. Like it's, I feel like my instinct is that, that it's gotta be part of that culture. And I, I think that's right. You know, when we started to talk about vocation a couple of years ago in, in my work setting at, at, at the university I'm sitting around the table they're asking like about your vocation is, does your job line up with your vocation, this kind of thing. And I'm sitting at the table with, you know, the caretaker and, and you know, some of the guys I'm like, does it make, and I, I asked her caretaker, I'm like, does it, is this, do you think about this as your vocation? Like, it seems absurd. It's an absurd. The janitor. Thing. Yeah. 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 He's a lovely guy. I mean, right? Everyone loves him. Yeah, it is a good noble man. work, man. There's just and good there's, noble work. There's nothing ignoble about that work, right? He's still nope. he's he's serving others. He's uh, you know playing as a real sort of foundational role in the operation of the place. Yep. Um, is it you know if that were me, would it be my vocation? It just seems like a a contradiction in terms. It's work. Yeah, right? it's work that needs to be done. Uh, you know, glory to God that someone, that someone's doing it. So I, yeah, I agree with that. I think, I think that, I think that how we think of vocation now, and so maybe something like the very tension of what I feel has has something to do with a a category, you know, a category confusion, right? A category confusion of, of uh, labor and divine calling yeah 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 i i think i think that's important because i mean the, the other way i could answer the question of of do we have you know is there such a thing of vocation is yes absolutely yes to everyone and a very strong one which is the vocation the call to holiness the call to you know work out our salvation with with fear and trembling starting right this second you're called to do that Every, any person you could lay eyes on is called to do that. In like my, and that, that seems opinion. to be like if there's biblical language for vocation, it's got to be First Corinthians. I pulled it up here. First uh, Corinthians seven: Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. 
but keeping the commandments of God is what matters. Let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. Let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can be made free, rather use it. For he was called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he was called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brethren, let each one remain with God in that state in which he was called. In that in which he was called. Some of those words in there are, are not in the Greek. Not in, uh, they're, they're added in. Yeah. Um, but yeah. let each one remain with God in that in which he was called. Were you called a slave? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can be made free, rather use it. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's, it's really, really telling. And that's just, that's kind of my feeling about this. Yeah. It's like, there's like this kind of radical level of indifference. Yeah. Like really, in, like total indifference. Like, yeah. you just stay a slave, you know, or hell, I mean, I don't know, if you get manumission, super. Like, it yeah, matters that. so little that even, you don't have to stay a slave even either. You know, it's like he's saying, just stay where you are. Yeah. Also, if that changes, okay. <laughs> you know, right. Like, it radically it, it doesn't, matter. doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, like where you're located. And, I mean, it's, he's he's thinking mainly about slaves there and, and freemen. And so he's thinking yeah. he's thinking about socioeconomic issues. He's thinking about economic status. You know, it's it's sort of like saying if you're called. Yeah, if you're called a janitor, you stay a janitor or, yeah. you know. If you get a better job, you know, then use that. Right? Like it's total, it's a total indifference to, to and that, I mean, where you're located there. It It's, that is like, that's kind of essential to the, um, the, the, the uniqueness of the gospel, right? It's like, it's for everybody. Well, how can it be for everyone? So, you know, it's for everyone because it because who you are in terms of your social station, uh, the amount of money you make, like what, like it does not matter. Whatever you've got, you might have a lot, you might have a little, you might be a slave, you might be free, you might be powerful, you might you might be weak. Doesn't matter. Just really doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, and for my own, for my own context, like that makes sense. Like in some ways, one of the difficult things of life is exactly knowing that it doesn't matter what I do. Yeah. Right. In some ways you just want, like, I just want someone to tell me you do this and then you'll do this and then like, just be on that path. And then I could be okay. Then I don't have to think about it anymore. <laughs> right. The fact that, you know, the fact that you can kind of do anything is uh is a kind of uh can be a, a kind of paralyzing freedom um you know just make a choice just tell me what to do but the but the, you know but i but that part i know it's like the the sense of calling i have seems to be independent of work there's a there's a lab like there's the conversations i want to have there's like there's there are books i want to read and 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 books I want to write and like there's things I want to do that are that are impossible with with my life such as it's currently structured and a big 
big reason it's structured that way is because like we're all debt peons, right? I, the only way I can have a life in the society is by taking out a massive loan to have a house, right? So we, I have to organize my life around paying that off. Yep. I can't just sit around and have the leisurely life. I've got, you know, I've got a family to support, kids to raise, you know, got, we have to put food on the table. Yep. Um, at our age, man, we've got a whole society to run. <laughs> we, yeah, you know, I mean, right. it's not like the two of us run society, but the people, people of our age, run society. Right. We're yep. we're the we're at the peak of our productivity within our lives, and you know, we're the ones that that do the hard jobs. I'm feeling this a lot, you know, with my father's health in this, you know, the sandwich generation. I have mm-hmm. right now, you know, 1.5 jobs and an elderly father to care for and three young kids to care for. And it's just been occurring to me a lot in these days like this, you know, this is the age I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to turn 40 this year and right, you know, from, I don't know, somewhere in your maybe mid thirties to somewhere in maybe your mid to late fifties, you're running society. This is all on you. It all sits on your shoulder. And then, you know, (laughs) your turn comes to slow, slow down and, and, you know, crest the hill and whatever, but. Uh, and, and, and these are manifestations of that fact that we're running society. You know, you got to pay for the house because your kids sure can't yet. You know, and you got to put food on the table because your kids aren't <laughs> doing the work to do that yet. And, and one day they will. And you, yeah. and you feel, you know, you feel a lot. But like, I think that it's um, what you're saying there about like, I, I also there is a tension here for sure, because your sense of dissatisfaction is not is not totally insignificant and i kind of don't think it's just something that should merely and always be squashed down because mm-hmm. i do think there's something that could be a little sad that is a little sad or definitely less good less ideal in um, you know in not in not letting your light so shine before men or or not cultivating gifts that you have um I, I think that's suboptimal. You know, if you, if you are somebody who can go out and be a phenomenal surgeon who, who saves people's lives from cancer, but you're just, you know, you know, mopping floors. Yeah. There is a loss there. It, now, it's not that you cannot have a fulfilling life. And it's definitely not that you cannot find Christ mopping those floors. It's definitely right. not that, but it's, there is a bit of a loss and there's also, and maybe this is the really, really important question. And this is, this is maybe some of what we're getting at a little bit when we talk about calling or trying to get at and using, maybe we should just be using a little bit better language. There's the question of like, what, what is actually going to be best for you to cultivate, you, you know, to, to help Cultivate yourself in the pursuit of salvation and holiness. And, and that's what I like. So that kind of thing, I think, actually matters a lot. So that if you're asking yourself, for example, should I be a monk or should I be a married man? You can find a path to salvation in both of those modalities. Right. God will love you in both of those modalities. You are not going to be able to get yourself into a place where there's no pathway between you and him. You can't do it. And this right. is what I don't like about vocation language is when it when it has that edge of saying oh like as though if you get this wrong 
it's some kind of catastrophe. Let's say I'm called to be a monk, but I like missed that calling that and I went and got married and it's as though God has this script and I'm supposed, but it's a mystery, yeah. right? Like he you wrote a script, but he didn't you. tell me <laughs> yes. what's in it. So it's like uh, my uh, job to like figure out what he wrote in his script, which is a real yeah. psycho thing to do if that's the case. But as though that, as though like, I, I could screw it up in such a way that like now, you know, I can't be saved or can't love God or can't grow holier. That's uh -huh. just not true. But it it is important to ask yourself, you know, what, what is the best setting among the options I have within right. the scope of the choices I have? You know, you know, where do I knowing myself and my predilections and my virtues and my vices uh, my personality, the things I like, all the stuff about you, you know, where's the best place to put that person to pursue God? And if you look at a monastery and think, you know, I think that would really be a good place for me to be, then I, I think you should consider pretty strongly living in a monastery. And if yeah. you look at a marriage and think that that looks like a, you know, knowing me, uh, that, that looks about right. Yeah. Uh, then I think you should do that. And this is, speaking of priestly vocations, and we're going to come around to this with you, but as you know, uh, but some listeners might not know, um, I many years ago made a kind of very conscious decision to not become a priest. Right. And uh, at first, my spiritual father would would poke me now and then. Okay. And there was. Uh, he's like, yeah, maybe <laughs> you, you should. Maybe it? you should. Yeah. Consider, well, I wouldn't say that, but she, he would say, well, maybe you should think about it. Da, 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 da. Uh -huh. And then there was a kind of series of in interesting events surrounding our former parish in Detroit um, that he. <laughs> I, I always said, well, if I was ever going to become a priest, it would be only if there was a specific community that specifically seemed to need specifically things that I'm good at. Right. I don't think, to me, it was like becoming a priest, it just in itself didn't seem like something, you know, I felt felt called to, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> but uh, we'll come back to that. Anyway, our, our former parish in Detroit was in a state of crisis, and the deacon there, you know, literally asked me if I would consider basically coming uh, back and becoming their, their, their presbyter. And it occurred to me, you know, what they really need is a good preacher. And I thought to myself, holy crap. I mean, is this, it, <laughs> do I have to put my money where my mouth is, you know? Yeah. And so of course I talked to Father James, my, my spiritual father. And he said, let me think about that. Uh -huh. And uh, give me a couple days is what he said. Uh -huh. And a couple days later, he, he wrote me an email <laughs> and he said, uh, do not uh, pursue this. Do not become or try to become the priest at that parish. Um, don't, don't do it. That's it. And he never, ever again said a single word to me about the priesthood <laughs> in any context. Ever. He didn't tell you, he didn't tell you what happened in those. Over, he didn't those tell me. Uh -huh. And I've always had a suspicion that he went, I always detected in him like a little bit of clairvoyance or something like he had a, he had a hotline, something to, oh. to, and my sense, my sense, what I never asked him about it was that in his prayerful meditation upon this, this question, he saw something or, or realized something or apprehended something that was just like, no, leave this one alone about the whole priesthood thing. Now, so for me, you know, I, I myself just use the language of calling there. But if I'm pressed to be more specific, like I look at my situation right now and I think, no, this, the role that I'm in at our parish, St. Maria's, 
this is a this is a good role for me, and I'm a good man for this role. I'm the warden of the parish, you know, I'm the parish council president. Uh, at I'm major player in terms of you know maintaining the church. I'm in there vacuuming. I do a little handyman stuff, you know, leading the way on finances, and I I give frankly a good amount, a lot of money. Uh-huh. Which to do that, of course, it means I need to have gainful employment, and I you know I. We're in a very good financial position at this moment, and I can do all these things. The church needs somebody like that. And that person precisely can't be a priest. The priest is on the opposite. The priest is getting paid by the church. The priest is getting fed by the church. Well, who's feeding the priest? Mm-hmm. You know, householders, people with good, with good jobs and extra income that they can spare to put into the pot to feed the priest and keep the lights on at the church and all that. And we need these kinds of leaders who precisely are not priests. And so to me, it's not like, I don't think this is my calling, like the script God wrote for me that I had to figure out. But when I look at the needs of St. Marie of Paris and I see, okay, you know, it needs a priest and, and, and these are the kind of qualities that make a great priest. And it needs, you know, someone to help with the choir and it needs this person, needs that person, and it needs a warden. And, you know, that's, that's about, that feels pretty right. That matters. Yeah. Thinking about your life and, the, and your work in that way matters a lot. Like, what? where do you kind of fit in? But I don't think it's quite the same as this calling language often seems to imply. No, and be, because the, yeah, the, the calling language, again, seems to imply the, uh, the coincidence of your calling and your, and your career. And... Yeah, even have even the notion of a career is, is already like uh is already kind of a weird one that 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 shouldn't necessarily obtain. But so what you're talking about as a calling is yeah, that sense of calling like because where does that sense of calling come from? Um or, or how, how like how do you perceive it or what's what you know what is the essence of it? Um like you have a sense for you're met by needs on the ground, right? comes in the context of already being an Orthodox Christian and already being convicted in some sense that this is a, you know, the service to the church should be a priority. Um, And then you're finding your way with a particular community, with particular needs and a particular roster of people uh, that are present and, and, uh, you know, with their own particular limitations. And then you've... (laughs) Like I've been serving as the choir director at St. Nicholas for um, ever since now Father Yuri left, mm-hmm. right? But to do, to do, and it was very soon after we were baptized and it was much too soon, right? Um, like as a, as a call, that was in a certain sense, very literally a calling because if I didn't pick it up, no one, no one would have. Was it ideal? Was I made for that? <laughs> Like, I don't know, we, there's just a bunch of work that needed to be done and I was in the position to do it, right? What's, what's, a, what's a calling? But there's no, there was no money in it. And, you know, it involved other, all sorts of, all sorts of uh, complications and pressures on time and has nothing, you know, has nothing to do with, with work. It has nothing to do with how I make money. Um, well, I, I see, I think that's, that's crucial. I think that's really crucial that a lot of 
roping this, connecting this to, you know, your, your economic livelihood. It's a really big problem. I mean, it, and I speak, you know, I'm preaching to myself in so many ways mm-hmm. to kind of locate that and say, you know, what's my, what's my contribution to this world and be always sucked back as a North of classic North American into thinking first of my work and my job. I mean, maybe right. that's just completely bass backwards. Like it, it, it's, it could be, I mean, it could be like if, if, I'm not saying it can't be if, if you're a therapist or whatever, you're a nurse, you're a doctor and, and, and maybe, you know, when you sort of get to the pearly gates, so to speak, you look back and say, like a lot of, a lot of what I was able to give or offer or whatever came through your, your work. That's certainly possible, but there's this kind of notion that we often have that, that, that has to be the case. And of course the vast, vast, vast majority of people in North America don't have jobs like that. They don't have dream jobs. We couldn't have a society of nothing but, you know, what pediatric oncologists who feel like, you know, their, their employment is, is also this enormous contribution to, right. You know, to, to something good that they truly believe in, which is a lovely thing if you've got it, but we need a lot of freaking janitors and we need a lot of instructional designers and we need a lot of engineers who probably don't feel that way. And just people working in offices and just managers, you know, like an HR. (laughs) Yeah, totally. You know, and we need these people. We can't run this, this show without them. Like I kind of feel like, like the, the paradigm for that sense of vocation like to me, vocation in, in that sense is when like what you do fu- fundamentally coincides with who you are. So the paradigm is kind of the king, right? Maybe a maybe a bishop is like that too, right? Where where but like it's at the top, at the very top of hierarchies is where that happens, where where the job that you are you're brought in to do like is kind of fully identified with who you are as a person so that there is no right. The King, uh, the, the King doesn't have a day off from being the King now. That's right. That's just Charles. That's who that his whole life is, is to play out that role in the, in the play of society. So I think we do like the higher you are, the higher you are up the hierarchy, I feel like the the more, the more that that's the case. But for that exact reason, it's kind of a mistake. It's a category mistake to think that it that it obtains all the way down through the hierarchy. And probably the further you get, like the more the closer you get to being a janitor, and the further away you get from being the king, the the more it's a, it's a nonsensical question. see demonic forces involved in this in our culture is is that push exactly to try to make us feel like we're inferior if we don't have the kind of job that is yes this sort of i don't know elevated calling whatever for me the the temptation a lot of what i think pushed me towards trying and wanting to be a tenured professor was not 
a lot of it was practical. And and frankly, if someone offered me a tenure track job right now, I'd probably still take it. Uh, well, if it was in the right place and whatever, and I'd have a lot of, I'm not chasing it around the world. I'm already not chasing it around the world. I made that decision years ago. But if it was right, it was right here in Southern Ontario. Yeah. And there's really good practical reasons. I mean, I get way more time to do my research. I think I would really enjoy that. I would, you know, get sabbaticals and blah, 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 blah. And I like teaching and all these kinds of reasons to take it as a job. Because it's a sweet sweet gig. gig. And I don't, and that's, that's fine. And I don't feel bad saying that. The part that I've, I've wrestled with and tried to wrestle down is the demonic part. The demonic part is saying that, you know, if I am a professor, I will be a certain sort of person, you know, who's special, who's important, who has a status, who has a a title, who at the cocktail party is the, you know, the such and such professor of the whatever, you know, (laughs) and it comes with that sense of, uh, of pride and status. And, and it, you know, it, it's, it was my hoped for sinfully hoped for pathway to get closer to what you're talking about, which is to say being, you know, a King, you introduce yourself. I'm yeah. King Charles. No one says, what do you do for a living? You're King Charles for a living. You, just, you don't yes, have that's right. a trade. And so, but this, this causes me to think that Maybe it would be a lot more helpful for us all. Maybe it would help us to parse through some of these things better. If we use language of trade more often and in a broader way, we really only apply that language to, you know, to, to, well, to trades, <laughs> to what we call trades, which is people working with their hands. But if you think of HR as a career, let's say you're in HR or I'm an mm-hmm. instructional designer. If I think of that as a career, it vectors me in a certain kind of direction. But what if I just thought of it as my trade? Instructional design is my trade. It's a thing I know how to do. It's mm-hmm. a thing that's sufficiently in demand that I can mm-hmm. pretty reliably do it in order to make the money I need for me and my family. Uh, you know, for this employer or that employer or independently, it's my trade. That's what it is. It's my trade. It's not Mm -hmm. a career Mm -hmm. that to me actually feels a lot more healthy because then that creates much more space in my way of thinking to think about, Oh, how do I serve God? And the question of how do I serve God? I think that that vocational language, although it still can have problems in that sphere as well, becomes a little bit, a little more comfortable to me. I want to say like, I, I feel like it's, I'm relatively comfortable with saying there's a certain calling for me to, for as of right now, to serve as warden at St. Maria. Okay. Yeah. I think that that's a kind of calling. It's not a calling in the sense that, again, God wrote a secret script right. and it's my job to figure it out. And he's just being a jerk about it. I don't think it's that kind of calling, but it's, it's a sort of, it's a pull. It's a saying from above. It's a saying from the angelic. I think when it's, when it's true, it's the angelic speaking out and saying, why don't you come in this direction? God the, knows us better than we know ourselves. And if the angelic pulls you into a place that fits you well, that fits, you know, God's work in this yeah. world well, and it's also good and, and healthy and beneficial to you, also a beloved creature of God, there is a kind of call there, not the secret yeah. script call, but a certain sort of pull. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, your sense about, the clergy seems to me has always seemed to me to be that sort. It's not that Greg, it's not that if you never get ordained, you're going to like, you screwed it up. Like you didn't find the secret code. Right. But you know, it just kind of keeps circling back to a certain vector in your life that seems right. You know? 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. And I, yeah, that's right. Because it, because it has to do with sort of what, what one as a person has to offer. Right. The reason like, like the, the reason it, it, the reason you can think about your work as an instructional designer as a trade is because, you know, does it, does it encompass everything there is about you and who you are as a creature? Like, no, but, but you got, you got some game in the area, right? Like you, you, you're good at your work. It's something that, that you can do that not just everyone can do. Uh, Like, and it's a, it's a valuable contribution. Like, yeah, I mean, I guess I started, I started the conversation by thinking about, you know, my, my job allowing me to do, not allowing me to do other things, but, you know, p- part of it, part of this unsettledness is exactly like, exactly that matter of, um, yeah, I got, I got other things that I can offer that I'm not currently offering. Um, you know, I can do, there are other trades I can do better. I can do more for the world than other trades and thinking of thinking of the priesthood in that way. Like that's what, that's one trade that seems that, that, that seems to be, that seems to be the kind of trade that I could do really well. Is, is that, the, you know, is that the direction I'm going to wind up going? You know, maybe, maybe not. Well, is, uh, do you think that pres- the priesthood or their presbyterate is a trade though? I want to challenge that. <clears throat> Oh, well, I mean, what, what's the alternative that it's more of a vocation then? I mean, I get, I guess and maybe yeah, it I is because it's a little, because yeah. it's, it's high because it is, because it is higher up. I think it's, I mean, if you think about this, yeah. these things in a, in a, in a hierarchy or in a spectrum, uh, it, it is more, it's not the same as a bishop. Like that's total. I think that's true, but there is a, there is an extent to which my, like, my the person who is my priest is i is his person is taken up by that role and we try to we try to protect his help him protect his time and and give him time off and that kind of thing and we would do that for our bishops as well as make make sure that they're paid you know paid well and you know that they get vacation time and that and that sort of thing well i mean like we we have to in our system and this is something that occurs to me a lot it's at St. Maria's because I am the president of the parish council there. I deal with this stuff. I do the payroll every month for, you know, or one employee. We really have no choice in Canada except to, you know, kind of filter this, push this through the way the Canadian system works. You know, St. Maria's is a corporation, right? Canadian federal corporation. And we have an employee and we have to do it withholding and we have to have various forms of insurance. Um, I I don't have a major objection to that. It's just kind of how it works. But I think at a spiritual level, I I want to say that the presbyter is much more like is much more like me being the warden. The difference being that you know the presbyter we expect is going to have so much to do that we need to make sure that we we feed him and his family. It's, I don't think we should really conceive of that person. Legally, he is, has to be an employee. Like, we're required by right. law, and there's no other way to pay him. Like, if that, that's fine. fine, fine. That's, that's the paperwork, whatever. But, like, spiritually, I don't, I don't want to think of, you know, our priest as an employee or that as being his, even really that as being his job, per se. It's, I think what we're kind of saying is if we pay him well enough, 
uh, and hopefully do. And not all parishes can, but right. if we pay him well enough, then he doesn't have to have a job. And if he doesn't have to have a job, he can focus on tending to the flock. Some priests ha- do have jobs and that's their job. And then this is their, right. you know, uh, and, and I think that, I think that's great. And that's an ancient tradition that goes back, you know, forever in ages. Yep. And again, we do, you, like you said, we do it to bishops as well, but I don't think presbyter is a trade. I think presbyter uh-huh. is a role. It's a role in a parish community. And to be kind of called to that role more or less is something that I, I can, that I can get behind uh-huh. uh, again, not in the secret script way, but in that sense that like, yeah, your set of gifts and talents and interests, uh, you know, and ab- abilities to put up with stuff and uh-huh. are drawing you, are drawing you into that role, especially if they're consistently drawing you into that role. You know, that's good. But I don't, I don't think that's a trade. I don't think it's a job. So then there, so then would you, would you say that there are two kinds of callings? There's, there's a distinction we can make in callings, right? There's a calling. Well, and I guess in in some sense, we would say that everyone who enters the church is a priest. Yeah. It's a priesthood of all. Well, we do. We do say that. Everyone receives an ordination. Everyone is chrismated and inaugurated into, into a role in the body of Christ. This is why I prefer the the language presbyter and presbyterate, which is what they're still called in Greek. We say priest in English, but if you want to see the priesthood in the Orthodox Church, that's just turn around. That's everybody. Yeah. Or or conversely, although not conversely, there's just one. Right. uh, And he has ascended. (laughs) Right. So there's 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 the one priest. And then there's all of us. We have, but see, precisely, we have presbyters, yeah. and that's a role within the community. It's a very important one. Uh, but yeah, is it a job? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. But I, like, I think it's really good for you to be thinking that you know, yeah, maybe what I should do is gravitate towards not having any job at all, <laughs> based on the way I'm defining those terms, uh-huh. by being a presbyter in a community that needs a good presbyter. And I can offer that, and that's what they need, and they can offer an exchange to feed me, to, you know, in, in, in the case of Canada, Feeding you is going to mean, yes, cutting yeah. you a paycheck with the proper withholdings and your, you know, right. yeah, your yeah, CPP yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but in effect, and in other times and places when the Orthodox Church, that, you know, that notion that we're going to feed you and you just focus on this has been vastly more literal, in some cases, absolutely literal. You right. know, you don't have a paycheck. It's just that the people from the community come around and bring you and your family a chicken. Uh, and it kind of just know, on, depends on how the basis of your economy at that time. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so we, we have this capitalist economy where yeah. things are jobs and, and, and so forth. But in, in other places, it was just literally, you know, we just yeah. bring, make sure we bring the priest some food so he has something to eat and doesn't yeah. have to go out and farm yeah. because he's doing this other thing instead. He's got this other role instead. So he doesn't work. And Paul talks about this too, right? Like mm-hmm. Paul mentions that he has a capacity to work a job. He has a trade. He knows how to do. Right. But he really mostly doesn't do that because instead he's focusing all his time on preaching the gospel and the communities that he goes to one of the next, they feed him, they keep him alive. 
Right. Like is I think that's what presbyters are supposed to be and bishops too. So do you think that like do you think the difference between me and you, let's say, on on this score is a difference of kind or a difference of degree? Degree, for sure. I have a role. I have a role in my community as well. And what's really important about one of the things that's important about my role is that it needs to be such, precisely such that it doesn't take so much time from me that I can't work a job reasonably because I need to be working a job because part of my role is to help cover the costs of our community. So, you know, my role takes me a couple hours a week, probably on average. It, uh, it you know, Father Yuri's right. role takes him, you know, whatever, 30, 40, whatever hours a week. He, and, he, and he does work a little bit on the side. He's a military chaplain. That I would basically right. call a job. Right. Uh, and so he's got enough time to have a little part, bit of a part-time job. But other than that, we're like, we're going to, we'll, we'll cover you so you don't have to work 40 hours a week, more or less. Right. But, but for, for me, like part of the role is precisely, precisely to be able to work the job so that I can give some of the money from that job to, to St. Maria's. But do you think there's a categorical difference then between calling and trade so a calling isn't just like i think i'm coming so around to that yeah what's what the what the what the priest is doing when you're when the church is properly supporting its priest what the priest is doing isn't just what you're doing as an instructional designer uh but oriented to the church it's something else or the fact that it's oriented to the church is that something else like if it were, if you, <laughs> if you were an, an instructional designer, I mean, for the fact that Father Yuri is a military chaplain is kind of an, like the role of chaplain. Chaplain is kind of a job, like sort of. I would the call it a role. job, it, yeah. yeah. Especially if it's for the military. So yeah. if you were, in, you know, do an instructional designer for, uh, for an Orthodox, you know, Orthodox uh, seminary program or something, something of that nature, does that, does that approach? Does that approach vocation in the way that that the priesthood does, or is it or or is it just something else? Is it just something else? Yeah, I, that's sort of interesting. It's very, that's very hypothetical. I suppose I could be an instructional designer for like an Orthodox seminary or something, but um, it still feels like a job, yeah, right? It, doesn't it? I I think it does because I don't think it's your role. Every Orthodox Christian who's practicing has a role in their community. Uh-huh. It's just that a few of those roles are are the kind where we traditionally sort of circle around you and say, "You don't need to have a job. We're gonna we're gonna just feed you." just yeah. for playing this role. The rest of us will go have jobs. I mean, think of it on a, on a f- like claw it all the way back, a fundamentally agrarian society where to work means to go into the field and grow crops and so forth. If you're a man or stay at home and make the things that we need, the clothes, doing the cooking, et cetera, et cetera. If you're a woman, like strip it all the way down to that. That's what work is. Does the priest uh-huh. work? No, he precisely doesn't. Uh-huh. Right. Well, I mean, he might, he might. And if he works, he works. However much he works, he works. But his his service to the community as a priest, you wouldn't call that work. You're not tilling the land. You're not sewing the clothes. Yeah. You may also do that. But the, the role you're playing as, as a presbyter is not your work. You know, what are you talking about? 
again, going going to St. Paul, it's like I, I think for him, this is, seems very clear in his head. Mm-hmm. Work is making tents. Mm-hmm. If he if he's got to do that, he'll do it. Uh, but if he can, you know, if people are willing to keep putting food on his plate, you know, day in and day out, such that he can just play and preach the gospel, then all the better, you know, for him, because that's his, well, yeah, calling, <laughs> uh, yeah. but that's, and that's his role. That's his space. So like my role at St. Maria's is warden. A lot of people's role is just, I'm a parishioner here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and we have a treasurer and we have a choir director and we have a presbyter. And we sort of single out, and it's usually the presbyter. In some churches that are big enough, you know, there might be a choir director who yep. who can we can pay them full time, and you know that starts to skirt the line of is that work or is that just another like right. role that we've decided will you know we'll cover your costs for you if you if you play this role. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think we're, I mean we're almost at half here if we're still yeah. observing halves, but maybe maybe. Maybe we can pick this up by seeing if we can theorize. I'm so a little bit curious to see if we can theorize a distinction there. <laughs> All right, let's do it. I think we're it. feeling we're feeling around it, but I wonder if we can. I wonder if we can articulate a distinction. Okay. Well, let's pause for the half, and we'll see everybody in the, in a moment. Welcome to the Men Among Demons podcast. And there goes the devil creeping in my life's desire. All right, we're back from the break. So we're going to try to theorize uh, a a theory of this difference between job and role and whether vocation kind of applies to the one but doesn't apply at all to the other. I mean, first of all, are we happy using vocation now as a kind of more limited term? Vocation has two senses. There's a sense in which every calling to be a Christian is a calling. It's a vocation. Okay. Yeah, I, I think I think I'm okay with it. Again, as with that caveat that to me, I, I think I think it's pretty much purely demonic, just full blown demonic. This notion of the of what I keep calling the invisible script, you know, the script that God wrote and hid from yeah. you. I think that's just the work of demons. I think that's a lie. If you have a call to the priesthood and you just never actually do it, you call to the presbyterate and you never actually do it, that that's okay. It's 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 okay. It's fine. <laughs> God loves you. You have a pathway yeah. to him and he will not cut that off. And you may Whereas, have grown tremendously in holiness. So as long as we caveat that, it's not the invisible script. I think I'm okay with it. Yeah. Whereas conversely, there isn't some job out there that you're meant to do. I Yeah, right? I think I think I want to assert there that. There's some yeah. path out there. There's some woman out there that you're meant to marry. No. Yeah. Well, soulmates is a great parallel. And I don't yeah. believe in that. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. But I mean, there are some jobs you might be way happier in. And I think that's dandy. Uh-huh. If you can have one of them, that's great. Enjoying your job is great. There's, uh, I, I see no nobility like, in just deliberately hating your job. I mean, if you right. can get one that you enjoy, do it. And, and probably like if you, if, if you got to work, which most of us have to work, like it should be something that is life giving and con- contributing to society. <laughs> probably. Well, yeah. Right? I mean, and some, some jobs might be downright and more. You know, and that's a problem, right? For a yep. Christian, you know. Uh-huh. Could you be a drug dealer as a Christian? I mean, it's a trade of a kind. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you should do it. Uh, only, yeah. If uh, if you were a weed dealer, uh, you could not be one as a Christian before legalization, but afterwards, that's okay. Oh, don't get! I was just having that. <laughs> this makes my head spin. Don't even get me started. Oh, we have an. You know what? You know what? Let's pick on cosmetic surgeons instead. Cosmetic surgeons. No. <laughs> 
Yeah. Right. Pla- plastic surgeons, okay. I mean, if you're, you know, burn victims and stuff, that's right. fabulous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cosmetic surgeons, I'm looking at you. Where... Your job is immoral. <laughs> Don't do it. Uh, sounds reasonable to me. Um, yeah, so so there's yeah, there's two senses of vocation and and, and so in this case we're we're using the we're using the more limited one, but the whole I guess the whole point that there's a more limited one is because the presbyter is to the church community as the church community is to the world, right? Like everyone's got this uh, priestly, which by the way, I what I discovered, realized, discovered that that the word priest does in fact come from the word presbyter. So now I'm all confused about about my own principle. It was my it was my uh, principle earlier to, that what you you articulated earlier, which is like to think of that role of the priest not as a priest but as a presbyter, deacon, presbyter, bishop, and that we're all priests. Um, so that in the history of the English language, what you're saying is the screw up was to go backwards and apply that to to the Levitical priesthood because that's the distinction I'm trying to draw. Yeah, our, so- our presbyters are not priests. Are not are not priests in the way ERFs or whatever in Greek would, would be. That's a priest. Right. And, and that was Christ. And then that office ends in Christ. Correct. What, what is, what's the Greek word? Uh, yeah. ERFs, I think. Yeah, and there's, I think ERFs. there's one other one, but it, neither of them is pres, presbyter. And then Latin is the, is the, is the sacerdo, uh, sacerdos, right? Yeah, the one who the, commits the, who makes, who makes sacred. Right. Right. That's the key. Latin will use, Latin will take uh, presbytero, uh, pr- uh, presbyterus. Like it'll just be a Greek loan word, right? Um, and then it and then it gets from there into English as priest. And then yes, that's right. We use the word the English word priest to talk about the one who not not just like and presbyter presbyteros is an elder, right? Deacon right. is a servant. Presbyteros is an elder, and the bishop is an overseer, right? So those are the those are the clerical ranks of the church: servants, elders, and overseers. Yeah. Um. None of none of those have that connotation. I guess this is just a bit of a rabbit hole, just for clarification. But none of those have that connotation of of the of the one who commits the sacrifice, the one right. who carries out the sacrifice, because right. that's Christ. And if and if it's anybody other than Christ, it's all of us as Christians. We yeah. because we're yeah. all offering. This is exactly what Augustine says. We're all offering ourselves on that table when the bishop is up there, or now mostly in our parochial situation. The presbyter, when the elder is up there, uh, you know, commemorating that sacrifice. It's all of us. He's doing that on behalf of all of us. We're all together on that table in the bread and the wine, offering ourselves up to up to Christ, who returns it back to us um, as as His body and blood. Um, so, anyways, yes. So to you know to be a priest presbyter this this eldership role you know in that in the in the ranks of ordained clergy in the church you, you know, right the the cleros those who are set aside there are those within the church who are set aside within the church as the church itself is set aside from the rest of the world and so there it does make sense that we would have that you would have a similarly sort of double sense of vocation we're all called and then within that calling some are some are called to this to to in a sort of fractal way right in the in a you know it re- repeats the pattern at a smaller at a smaller level so that 
to do the same to do the same thing. As a church, we are to serve the world and make Christ manifest or to manifest Christ to the world and and so too on on behalf of on behalf of us elders and, and elders and overseers, presbyters and bishops are called to, you know, lead the body and and help make Christ manifest to us in the church. So those are clear. So we talked about in the first half, we talked about two vocations, right? Or I named two vocations, just trying to try, trying to think about it. And that was, that was the priest, the bishop. Um, now I'm going to be confused about my language, but the other was the King, right? Those are yeah. in both cases, these, these hierarchs. So what, you know, but you've also talked about your own work at St. Maria's is in an analogous way, or maybe more than analogous. Like that is, that in a certain sense, the what the, the role that Father Yuri plays in your community is kind of a concentrated form of the kind of thing that you do as a warden, and it's so concentrated and let's say um, has a certain importance to it. It has a headship. It has a headship role, right? You're like the warden is a kind of a, a kind of head as well. Yeah, yeah, that's it's right. a headship. You know, to this to the a presbyter that warrants. As a community, you making sure that you 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 put together a little bit of money to make sure that he and and uh, uh, and his wife and, and child and so forth are able to live. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I actually even think of it almost, almost in just a, a, a sort of purely practical kind of sense that, like any community that's more than just a few people, it's a religious community, there's a parish community, as we would say is get get a need like a kind of at least one person to just devote all their time to just all the stuff. And then that way, you know, the rest of us and the bigger it gets, well, maybe you'll need two and maybe you'll need three. Right. And it, I don't think it necessarily had to happen this way historically, but it ended up just kind of making sense and seeming natural enough and obvious enough that the person to do that, is you know would be this would be the same person who uh, um, does the Sunday does the liturgies and the and the services you know partly probably because well that's a good chunk of the you know the hours we kind of need although we're all there for those as well or most of them but you know and then well he's also got to do all these confessions and this and that and by the mm-hmm. time he's doing all of that you know maybe we'll just have that be the same person who you know calls the landlord to talk about the the shingles that are missing from the roof which is an actual thing happening in my community right now uh and then all of a sudden you've got you've got the modern sort of presbyterate which kind of looks a little like a job and in many ways it is like a job i mean and you know father you were to tell somebody it's if someone would ask him what's your job and he said you know i'm the priest it's 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 not like i would be annoyed or grudge like it's mm-hmm. fine in, in casual conversation but thinking about the you know the the, the spiritual significance of it all i think it kind of isn't a job uh, it may have jobs even little tiny mini jobs associated with it but the thing itself mm, is right. more about the fact that a community of enough size just needs somebody who can do nothing but you know work on keeping that community going otherwise it just is it would just be very very hard if and it is and, and some some communities have you know priests, presbyters who have to work and it just makes it harder because you just don't have that person who, you know, is always available. It's, yeah. it's two in the afternoon and like, you know, somebody needs confession at the, at the hospital, you know, but he's working, right? Like, well, we have a problem. So maybe we just kind of clear his schedule. 
you know it's just one big clearing of the of the calendar right yes but you're you mean you're making a distinction between like to say that the presbyter has some sort of micro jobs within within the larger role well, yeah he might yeah is, is yeah. to is to just is to say that there's something there's something that the presbyter is doing that isn't exactly job right yeah and we're going to call that and we're calling that vocation a calling so that there is a calling there so what what's a, what's what calling is about a what uh <laughs> what do i try to ask like what is it that makes it a calling what is it that makes it a calling you tell me like it seems like it's something you're you're the one who's called to the priesthood man <laughs> i'm i'm the one who is explicitly not from, from your mouth to to the bishop's ears um <laughs> i know what i know and i've seen what i've seen greg weeb that's fair i don't i'm not disputing it yeah i know you're not <laughs> It's. It seems like it's something like symbolic action. Like when you're talking about trades, you're talking about material work for like social material purposes, uh, stuff that accomplishes material things, or something like that. I don't. I don't know if I'd. I don't know if I'd want to. Uh, you know, be held held to account by my use of language here, mm-hmm. but there's you know when when the when the presbyter is leading a lit like what are you doing when you're leading a liturgy? What are you accomplishing? <laughs> that is, it is not work the same way, right? My day work no. is not work the same way as tilling the field is. It's not. No. Although it's, it's kind of funny. I mean, one of the things. One of the things I appreciated most that drew me to orthodoxy is exactly that when you're, you know, what is, uh, what is liturgios or, um, I feel like I'm screwing that Greek up, but what does liturgy mean except a work of the, you know, work of the people, work for the people. Right, right, right. The the whole thing is a work uh, of the people, Uh which is precisely why what the pres the presbyter is not up there doing, doing work in a way that I'm not also doing work. We're all right. It's a kind of, we're doing a kind of spiritual work, but that's the, the whole, the whole body of Christ is doing that. It's, it's helpful He's not to doing me. something any at all different. He is playing a different yeah. role in the liturgy, yeah. but he is not doing something in any way, shape or form fundamentally different from what I'm doing. And this is why, you know, it's really, a, it, it, it's important, very important. This little thing, the Roman Catholic priests can serve mass to themselves and in the Orthodox Church, that's absolutely verboten. You cannot do that. You must have one other person at least. And in traditional practice, that's they have to at least say that first amen. And then the priest can read the whole damn thing, you know, if it's just <laughs> one old lady. But if nobody shows up, he can he has to stop. Right. He can't continue. Because it is the work of a community, and it must be two or more. It is, yeah. And he is not doing he, – he's playing a role. That's but right. work is the whole body's work. And it's just as much my work and just as much that rando visitor who just showed up, who nobody knows, you know, and everybody, this is our work that he has a special role in. Yeah. Like it does seem like the difference, the thing that makes it a vocation, the thing that makes it a calling does seem to, does seem to inhere in that it's, it's the kind of work that's being done is symbolic work. Yeah. They're not, 
making buildings. You're not designing courses. You're not filling out spreadsheets. You're not doing data entry. You're not tilling fields. You're not making tents, making tents. It's, it's symbolic. Like they're right. It's about it's work. I mean, in a certain sense, every work is a little bit like it, but it's, though it's you're involved in the union of heaven and earth and and a con, a const, constituting of a body Exactly like you say, right? Like it can't just be the priest alone. Literally, in the Orthodox Church, it is literally not allowed. It, yeah. it, it's work that constitutes the body, and uh, uh, makes the Father's will in heaven, you know, appear on earth. Um, and so, and so, you can have a vocation to a kind of place in that. Is I think what we're sort of. Yes, it's kind of and where even, we're finding ourselves. Here. Yeah, that's right. And that every that everyone who is involved in that work does have a vocation, but that yes, but that that calling right. does does collect and intensify in certain areas, especially in bishops, and then and then also especially in in presbyters, and then to you know like occasionally deacons and choir directors, and occasionally churches. But so like, does it does it intensify? It does does it collect? Like, I feel more like I want to resist that. Although you might be able to talk me back around to it. But like, I, th- I think the whole thing, I think everybody matters just as much symbolically as everybody else. Okay. I, I really do. But it's just that certain roles are going to take a lot of Like, if you think of it as a play, you know, you can't. <laughs> there's the old, the old phrase. There's no small roles, only small actors, you know. But uh-huh. it, it, it's, a, it's trite. It's cliche. There's a lot of truth to it, though. There is a yeah. lot of truth to it. You know, you you cannot have Hamlet without Fortinbras, my favorite character. <laughs> what does he have? One line? The end? He is Good so line. crucial. The entire genius, the entire genius of this play hinges on Fortinbras saying one thing at the end, you know, to come in and take control of Denmark and say his line or two or whatever it is. What's Fortinbras. his line? I don't write like a Ford and Brass's line right now for me if you want, but well, uh, I know you're being oddly specific. I'm, I'm being oddly for. I'm gonna see if I got Hamlet on my shelf. Ford and Brass. Okay, what does he say? Ford and Brass. Macbeth speech. What to do about nothing? All speeches and cues for Ford and Brass. Oh, Hamlet. Hold on. Okay, well, he's got more than one line, but he's got a few things. He says, "Go, Captain, from me. Greet the Danish king. Tell him." That by his license, Ford and Brass craze. So this is earlier on, you know, he's on his way. And then it's right at the end. He says, let four captains bear Hamlet like a soldier to the stage. For he was likely, had he been put on, to have proved most royally. And for his passage, the soldier's music and the rights of war speak loudly for him. Take up the bodies. Such a sight as this becomes the field. But here shows much amiss. Go bid the soldiers shoot. Which I, if I'm not mistaken, is the last line in Hamlet, the Looks very like last it. line. Uh, Correct. A dead march, so, exeunt, and then they the bodies. Yeah. After which yeah. appeal of ordinance is shot off. Yeah, yeah. So uh, then they give him this, you know, twenty-one gun salute. 
so we're going down a little rabbit hole with Fortinbras here, and I, and I could go on a whole tirade about why Fortinbras is so crucial because it's important that he he simply he simply sweeps in. Denmark is going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay. There's a new ruler, and Fortinbras honors Hamlet, and it it, it 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 precisely highlights the paradox of Hamlet's struggle with whether to live, whether to die. How important am I? And it's kind of like, in a way, you're not important at all. You don't matter, dude. If you're not here, someone else will rule this country. Fortinbras, boom, the king there, is dead. Bang. Long, but on the, the other hand, the other hand, he he uh, uh, acknowledges and, and gets how significant you are. Anyway, this this was not supposed to be a discussion about no, no, why Fortinbras matters. Although it's but, kind of weirdly related because my point was going to be that like the line, the, the, the role is teeny tiny, but it's crucial. And some roles are then much bigger. And so in the, in the scope of the church, in the liturgy as a play, uh, mm-hmm. And in the in the life of the whole of the parish and of the church as a whole as a play, you have some roles that get really 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 big, and we need to give those people the time to like memorize their lines and devote to it. Whereas if I'm playing Fortinbras, right. I don't need nearly so much time for that. It's not that I matter less. It's not that in the narrative and the arc of what happens here That's that right. little role matters. It truly isn't. It's just that it doesn't take nearly so much time. So I have plenty more time to go make tents. Yeah. And so I, I don't need you to feed me because I, because I got the time to do that myself. But I'm still playing my role. This is, and this is a big difficulty with our hierarchical illiteracy in this age, right? Yeah. Like I I think about this quite frequently, right? Because, like somehow I, want to find language to maintain both that some roles are quote unquote more important than others, but in this in this schema, it's like some roles have more lines. And thinking of thinking of what we do in a liturgy as a play, I think is, is extremely apt, right? Some roles have more lines, like Hamlet is like he's the most important role in Hamlet, of course. And yet, like, and yet we also want to maintain that the body is truly a body, right? Just because, well, I don't know what's a you know, just because my toes or something are are you know, not the head, like they still have a role that is, you know, in some sense indispensable. Uh, well, it is, it is, it is, that's another, that's another great metaphor. And it's the one, you know, Paul uses himself, the body, like there's an obvious way in which your brain is your most important organ. Right. Also, your brain will die right away if you don't have a heart yeah. or a bladder. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, if you don't have a bladder, you're, well, I don't know. Maybe you could actually live without a bladder. You'd just be peeing constantly. If you don't have a kidney, (laughs) you're you're toast. If you have zero kidneys, that brain is gone. But it's also manifest and obvious that the brain is more, is like more important, but, but also not even the tiniest bit more important, you know, that's just both. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and words kind of fail. Because there, there is a balance there. One, that's exactly right. One is more important. Like it's, you know, uh, a scratch or a scrape or a cut on my arm. Mm-hmm. It just isn't as important as a as a an equivalent scratch or scrape literally on my brain, right? Like yes. it's right. This that's uh, a big deal. So, so some things are, you know, we we do have. There is order to it, and yet everything does play. You can't just get rid of a bladder. You can't just get rid of your skin or something like that. But you get you get your your toes cut off, and you'll you're gonna notice right away. It's not it's not just that it's painful. It's like actually walking. 
they're integral for walking and walking is integral for being for being human like if you if you don't have full functioning of your legs like you notice that that's a you experience it as as a real bona fide problem and it may even be a, like a spiritual crisis for you not having your legs like that's a legitimate that's a legitimate tough thing to deal with so you can't just say that because something is lower than than something else on the hierarchy that it doesn't have importance or that it's that that it's like it just has a role that's why the exactly as you say that's why the 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 metaphor of the body is so apt um but like the priest cannot serve alone and so mm -hmm. in that sense he's like a brain head without the body like it's dead it it doesn't live any more than a body without a head yeah, it, right. But at the same time, there's this kind of more like, I don't have to be at liturgy for it to run. Somebody has to be. So the warden's role, it is yeah, different right. and it's less important. If there's no presbyter at liturgy, it won't run. We'll have a typica. Uh, but we can't do it. So it's like, it's sort of like the head. It is more important. Uh, I don't have to be there. But somebody does have to be there. Somebody does. Because it has to be a community, you know. Yeah. So, so, so in, anyway, like, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Well, in the yeah. So in the liturgy, yeah, in certain in a certain sense, you're you're replaceable, you're um, interchangeable with with others, and yet, like the word, like yeah, the I am and I am work, not though. The, because the word has to be do, around eventually. You gotta, you're, you're the shoulders on which the head sits, yeah. so to speak, or you know, yep. maybe something like that. Like the work that you're doing is what is keeping the head attached to the body. Yeah. So I, I I don't need to be there this Sunday. Uh, right. necessarily, but I do, I need to be there. I need yep. to be part of the community. Yep. And that's the kind of difference. The, priest, the presbyter needs to be there like this Sunday. Well, um, or, or we just won't have a liturgy, but if we're going to have a liturgy, he has to be there. Uh, but like it, it, this, this all, you know, just to, to kind of connect it back to this notion that there's maybe a, such a thing as vocation. There's maybe such a thing as calling into certain roles, into certain spaces within the body, within the polity of the church. Are we happy with that? Um, yes. And we've theorized that your, your theory of it is that one is a symbolic finding your way. So the calling the way you want to see real vocation uh-huh. is something that angelically calls you closer, more towards the right place to be located in, in the symbolic dance or play that is the church. I think Whereas your your trade, your job is a way you make some money, or or get some crops off the field to eat. Yeah, I think that's I I think that's right. I think in some ways it's a categorical distinction, and in other ways it's not. Um, be be precisely because if your trade, because there are probably there are more demonic trades than others. Well, that's interesting, right? I mean, I, mean, I totally you, agree. But that, like, what was your example from the first half? Um, uh, cosmetic, cosmetic surgery. surgery. <laughs> I went after the cosmetic surgeons. <laughs> We're going to alienate a lot of listeners. We're going to lose a, a large percentage of our listeners are cosmetic surgeons, and they're all unsubscribing right now. <laughs> you know that. Well, right? good riddance. Good riddance. <laughs> um, I, I mean, you look at the early church literature, they, it was, it was universally against cosmetics. Cosmetics were literally an invention of demons. Sorry yeah. to break the news to you. That's interesting. My wife does wear makeup. 
my wife does sometimes (laughs) and i do all the time i accuse her of demon worship uh every time every time she puts mascara on that's that could be a relationship that could be a whole episode (laughs) because a man do i ever think about and struggle with that issue beautiful beautifying even as a man i don't wear makeup that was obviously a joke but uh <laughs> but but yeah, to yeah. get us back where we are. Uh, like sorry, so some sorry. trades are more demonic than others. I mean, that's an interesting statement, an interesting claim. I agree with your claim, but it's yeah. that's interesting to think about, isn't it? And that's gotta be yeah. part of like because okay, so we we've kind of unpacked a little bit this notion of may, yeah, maybe we're comfortable with the notion that there's calling with kind of within roles of the church and and these are symbolic in certain ways and you're being drawn and we've rejected the idea that there's the invisible script or whatever. But so let's, let's circle back and talk about actual work because I think there are better and worse choices there. There are more and less demonic choices there Yeah. in, in what we're now calling trades, what we're now calling work. Like how, yeah. like how does that work? What, how do we think through that? What's it about? Is it just the fact that certain jobs are more... <laughs> Can we say that some jobs are more immoral than others? I mean, you think of it in Augustinian terms, and it's like if you're doing work that can properly be shared between the two cities, that's maybe that's maybe that's how you think about it. There's some things mm. that the earthly city does that the heavenly city, that the work of the church cannot take up. Does that mean symbolic? Well, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Does that mean symbolically or does it mean kind of, does it mean literally? Because Augustine, as I recall, has a certain amount of comfort with the soldiery uh, or, or nowadays we might just say the police, you know, maybe, maybe I'm a weirdo by this point in time. I don't think so, but maybe I am, but I I am somebody who thinks we do need actual police. Right. Yeah, <laughs> we, yeah, yeah. we might we might want to think about reforming to some degree exactly how we use them, but I, I sure do think we need police. And I think they actually do somebody out there working for the state needs to have a you know arms yeah. uh, in, in a, a situation that gets violent in the state and me and my family have to be protected from dangerous people. I think yeah. that we need such people. But yeah. I don't know that the city of God has police. Like, there's no police in the kingdom. Oh right. right. No, no, but you can be, but you, right. But, but the city of God, like the church does make use of, of the earthly city's police work. We depend, I mean, right. If someone breaks into a church, we call the police. We, call the police, we make, yeah. we make use of that. Yeah. We allow, we allow policemen in, to become Christians in, in good faith and good standing. Um, yeah, of course, of course. Uh, all of that. that. Like, that's what I mean. It's not that the city of God has its own police force. It's that 
you know, there are the operations of the city and uh, the earthly city, which is to say cities like Winnipeg, cities like Hamilton, right? You know, August, when Augustine was using that, I mean, he's thinking in terms of like capital cities of empires, right? Or like Rome. But an earthly city is just a city that has to deal with sewage and water supply and building codes and bylaws, right? Criminal codes. Like that's what an earthly city is. So does the heavenly city, and by heavenly city, he means very clearly the church. I know some dispute that, but it's pretty damn clear that that, that the church in its hist- historical human aspect uh, clearly has to make use and overlap with the earthly city because we have, because where, where else are we going to live? We can't float above the ground, Right. If you build a if you build a church, it's gonna have to abide by local building codes, right? That's it's to me that's to what it. that's what he means. Like there's just an overlap, and the two the two have to share share some things in this life. Um, but then there are certain things that there's certain things that clearly can't be shared, right? There's certain work. If you're a legislator, like, yeah, like cities need legislations, but what are, but there are certain things that happen in cities and certain work that gets done in cities that, that the church is like, mm, I don't think so. I mean, the ancient, um, <clears throat> the easy example in the, in the ancient church was, was prostitution. I think mm-hmm. like certain, I mean, for, for a variety of reasons, sexual morals, was like a like like really critically important mm-hmm. um you know this is a a big sort of conversation with the mennonites and mennonites for example as pacifists really want to maintain that like are are not as comfortable with police as we as you and i have just been a moment ago yeah certainly not comfortable with soldiers now for us orthodox soldiers are in an interesting place but we don't deny that soldiers can be I, I see no of... absolutely no fundamental difference between soldiers and police. Right. That's just one continuum. The question that's is just if you've that's seen what action... does the state need to have people who have who are armed right. to protect certain to protect certain things, families, right. property, you know, space, territory, and the state itself. I would say yes. And say a, a cop is just like a mini the, right. the soldier for the city. Yeah. That's all. If that, that that actually matters because I really don't think most Mennonites. Well, maybe I'm wrong. You could tell me if I'm wrong. But would most Mennonites say, "Well, we shouldn't have police either"? Because as soon as you say, "Well, we should have police," then to me, you you have to have soldiers. There's this this notion in the Mennonite world that seems to me we've talked about this before that, that war is like this thing. It's like this like thing that you, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. That's another rabbit hole. I don't want to take us down the rabbit yeah. hole. Yeah, but yeah. So that's you know. So there's. But of course, you, you do know, like, if someone sees action and is, and has killed someone, yes, then yeah, they have to like, repent. There, you you can't just waltz back into church and receive Correct. communion. There's actually, Correct. so there there is. I think that should. Pressure. I assume that that counts for a police officer too. They certainly, they certainly I, to. yeah, I would assume. I so. would want it to for the sake of the police officer, even if he's done exactly the right thing. Yeah, you yeah. need that. You need the time to repent for something pretty horrifying that you ended up having to do. Yeah. And just cause you have to do it doesn't mean that it's not sinful in right. the sense of manifesting human alienation from God. 
Well, and, so, and this this is what I wanted to to kind of think about a little bit with work is that nothing is untainted. This is the thing that kind of troubles me a little yeah. bit. Is that we want to have certain kinds of lines. Well, we do canonically, you know, and especially especially for right. for priests presbyters, there are certain jobs that we say you can't do. It's sort of interesting, you know. Butcher is one of those jobs, which I think is. I mean, clearly from the tradition is not because butchers are evil, immoral people. We're, you know, we, we eat meat as Orthodox Christians, so we're relying on butchers. But priests can't is, be butchers. Is that you know, because there's like there's like a symbol I have always thought it's because there's this there's there's a symbolic problem with that. Like you you are offering the lamb. You're consecrating the lamb. So you can't go be slaughtering actual lambs and cutting them up. Other people can do that, and it's a perfectly noble profession to be a butcher. That's fine. Right. Uh, but you can't do that because there's just this – it muddies the waters way too much symbolically. Yeah. that That's how I, – I do not – I'm not speaking as a historian there. This is just yeah, – Yeah, yeah, That's interesting. The way I've connected the dots in my own mind. Because it's a funny thing. Priests can't be butchers. Yeah. I could be a butcher. but my, my Almost like if, you, like if you're going to be a preacher in the church, you can't just be preaching – anything else to anybody it's almost like what, what without you know i'm trying to think of an analog like you couldn't like you couldn't be a lawyer or something i don't know well yeah and, there, and there's there's a big debate about whether we can hold political office that's a whole other thing you know and, and yeah. presbyters are not allowed to bishops are not allowed to but like okay so we want right, that to is have the analog, a, then you're serving yeah. your suit like yeah. your your attention is given to the kingdom Right. You can't so you, you, you can't you can't go be a senator like holding yeah. being in being a Canadian politician and holding an American right. passport or something like that, right? Like like no, this this is your thing. Which actually that I think you could do, but <laughs> but it's, no, yeah, exa- it exactly. occasionally yeah. ca- cause controversy. Oh, well, yeah, the the, the electorate might decide that that's yeah, yeah, just yeah. tasteful. I don't think it's disallowed, but uh it's right. yeah, but the the, anyway. the president or the bishop can't be a, you know, a senator or can't be a a right member of the house, house or something like that. Yeah. You can't do that. So, but yeah, so we're wanting to have some way of saying, you know, I'm picking on cosmetic surgeons because they're such a big part of our listenership. But we want to have some way of saying that like- Do that's, we have a listener that's a cosmetic surgeon that you know? <laughs> no, we, do, we don't. I'm oh, just okay. being absolutely ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> One of our nine listeners. Oh, uh, but- uh, <laughs> possible but yeah we we want to we want to say like there's certain jobs you really just shouldn't do and yet i i think i would take it as basically a dogma an article of faith that there is no job that's pure my job is not yes, pure right yes i participate in all kinds of crap you know i yeah. help support in a, a university institution who does that does all sorts of things that i really have issues with and, you know, and, I, and, I, and I help okay. the machine survive but the thing is there's no way i could escape that you know, right. i went out and f- was an organic farmer just pulling food off the land you know unless all i did was i maybe if you live in the woods and you just eat what you grow yourself but as soon as you're a farmer who sells that food to other people you are now literally feeding people who are no doubt doing things that you don't think they should do mm-hmm. that might be really really awful and truly deeply demonic How dare so you you're tainted yep. <laughs> you are all every one of us is tainted tainted yeah. tainted but i don't I just deeply feel instinctually that that also doesn't mean that 
it's a free for all. Let's all go be prostitutes <laughs> because everybody's tainted right. so that that's okay. I pro- see, I, I've been avoiding the example of prostitutes because I, I think it's a really bad example. I mean, that you, that almost always arises out of like absolute radical desperation. And I'm actually really very sympathetic to, I mean, uh-huh. you have to be just driven to a, to des- desperation to be doing that. So I, I don't want to pick on the prostitutes. I, re- I really don't, but like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's honestly why I'm that's picking on cosmetic <laughs> surgeons because like, look, you've got plenty of options here yeah. and you're choosing to do this. And, yeah. and like, I just want to be able to say, no, like there's a, there is such a thing as a bridge too far. Don't do that. Don't do that. And not just priests shouldn't do that. Presbyters shouldn't do that. Like Christians shouldn't do that. It's just something about it being just fundamentally about something immoral, like absolutely symbolically and fundamentally centered on. Is that what it is? It's just like the actual work itself. Maybe that's part of it. Like, like the, the work f- of instructional design is not evil. I know I'm participating in evil because I'm human and I live in this world. But to to make a course, a good course, where people learn what they're meant, meant to learn, that act I don't think is evil. Like it's uh, okay. The, the the cosmetic surgeon is an interesting example because what does a cosmetic surgeon do other than symbolic action, like create symbols? Do you know what I mean? Like, the, what does a materially speaking? Um, it isn't the kind of, you know you're not harvesting food for people to eat you're not it's like and it's all and it's just pride right like i might my, my my the instinct that i want to i want to maybe play with is that like whatever whatever is whatever the christian church might disallow so to speak uh is something like the inverse of the clergy something like the, an inverted version of the clergy Right. Okay. So like what, so the clergy are those set aside for symbolic action, particular action within, within larger calling these, there are those who have, who have sort of a particular calling who are set aside and everyone's like them a little bit, but, but, but them, you know, it's well, and we, yeah, the, but, but the, for those voca- vocations, anti-vocations, like there's something anti-vocation. Yeah. It's anti-calling. Yeah. 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 And the cosmetic, I mean, what is the cosmetic surgeon doing? Breast implants, facelifts, tummy tucks. What do those accomplish? I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's unfair in some way, to say but like what does that accomplish well it's, it's look it's distinctly or being unfair i mean i'm open to that you know if someone were to somehow come along and be like hey <laughs> there's a real nobility to certain aspects of cosmetic surgery i mean i'm open to someone convincing me of that i'm not but like it just <laughs> seems like an example that's sort of ready at hand that seems yeah. relatively good. Thought, and I again I, and I mean again i mean cosmetic surgeons not plastic surgeons that that right. i think that could be I've had plastic surgery myself, Greg Weeb. Have you? <laughs> yeah, when I was eight years old, I uh, got hit by a car on my bicycle, broke my nose to hell, and uh, had to be um, straightened back out. It's still crooked to this day, so 
listeners, if you meet me, you will notice now. People say they don't notice until I tell them. So now you all know when you meet me. Look for my crooked nose. Uh, yes. Um, but the thing is, it was so smashed up at the yeah. time that I, you know, I wouldn't have been able to breathe. It would have been a, you know, an actual right. medical issue. So it right. was corrected and fixed. And subsequently, I've had doctors be like, you know, we could straighten it back out for you. Uh, and I said, well, you know, that's starting to sound cosmetic as long as it's functioning. See, you know, I can breathe out of both sides. Yeah. So maybe there's, maybe so, there's blurred like, lines or something. Some well, something right. Like, you know, so I, I could say, that. I could say, I could go to, a, I could go to a, a nose doctor and I could probably justify it to myself, be like, well, my nose is only crooked as a result of injury. So I'm really just correcting a thing. You know, it's not really cosmetic, but I don't know. Instinctually, I sort of feel like. No, it's functioning. Rhinoplasty. <laughs> well, I've had rhinoplasty when I was eight mm -hmm. years old. Mm -hmm. Or is that always when it, it? But yeah, that's what they did. Yeah, it was yeah, the same yeah. basic thing. Anyway. Um, yeah. So, but but yeah, clearly, at least in the extreme examples, um, like all all you're all you're doing is sort of manifest a preoccupation with one's appearance, and a, yeah. and let's say a denial of aging, a denial of yeah. the limits of the body, a like all of that's pride. Right? A bunch of untruths, yes. It's a bunch of untruths. It's you know all it's all appearance, right? It's a it's a preoccupation with with appearance. Uh, and, yeah. and so there's something there's just something fundamentally demonic. So do you think it is ultimately about the question of whether just the work itself can can we make a distinction to say, look, if you know that your job participates in a system that participates in the demonic that's called welcome to being alive on the earth you can't escape that but yeah. if your job itself like the actual work like the output of what you do is in itself fundamentally assisting the demons then we've got a problem and and that's a very very small list. Let's face it, very small. I think it always has been. Yeah, I think that list is right. How much? How what jobs are there out there? Countless. I think that's there's yeah. always been countless jobs out there, yeah. and yet and yet the list of forbidden jobs for Christians is always I my microscopic. I've, I've never looked into it, exist. but my sense is that it's very very small. It's like two yeah. jobs on it, yeah. right? You know, you can't you you can't be a pagan priest, and you can't be, <laughs> and you can't be a temple prostitute, like whatever yeah. it is. Um, yeah. I yeah, I think it's been as short as the list of of bishop, presbyter, deacon. Right? Yeah, there's only three yeah, jobs there. Extremely small, and that's why we keep coming back to cosmetic surgery because it seems to be like almost the only one we can really find. So, okay, so that's important too. But then let's, you know, we're, we're kind of in the waning minutes here. Although I guess we could do whatever we want; it's our show. But uh, we're, we're in the waning minutes of our usual length. Because, but I want to press just a little bit on the then much murkier question: How do we think about our discernment in the middle? Okay, so if the if the number of jobs that are just like absolutely no, just crystal clear don't go do that it's really 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 small it's not zero but it's very small uh -huh. but what do we do with the like you know i'm in between what do we do with like the bartenders you know like someone comes to me and says i'm a bartender and i think to myself well i go to bars sometimes and someone needs to tend them 
So I'm I'm right away. I'm willing to say this is not a crystal clear, cut and dried, bright line. Never, no Christian should ever be a bartender. Yeah. But boy, oh boy, you also are in the business of dealing drugs. Our last episode was on gambling. What do you think about yeah. people working in casinos? What do you think about <laughs> right? Oh man, I don't know. Oh man. man. Well, and let's and let let's just, for the sake of argument, let's strip because there's a whole. Well, maybe I shouldn't strip. Maybe I shouldn't strip this actually at all. I was just going to say, let's strip the the sheer need. You know, like if you just, if the only job available is you're a dealer, car dealer at a casino, like I'm certainly a very sympathetic. Yeah. Like that's that. And you yeah. had to feed the family. Yeah, that's Honestly, right. if somehow you had, you, the only job you could get was cosmetic surgeon. Uh, I was, and, and you were literally, I just got to feed my family, man. Like I'd get it. But, but like, so yes, you're a bartender, you're, you're a casino dealer. Casino dealer is a good example there because I think casinos just really shouldn't exist at all. And I think uh-huh. if you're dealing, but, but that's a very low end job. And that's the kind of thing I could see somebody saying like, I just, this was all I could get. This is all I could get. I just got to do you it. You got to think about how people find jobs. Like, yeah. And then I'm like, what doesn't happen man. is you're not faced with a table full of options and you're just like, yes, mm, exactly. I will pick this one and I will pick. That is yes. not how it goes at all. That's no. not how my life has worked. Nobody's fact, life works. Like, my, like in my life, it's like I, I, I regularly have felt that I can't, I can't, I've never gotten a job. It's just what has come to me. Yeah. It's like opportunities come up and it's like, okay, I got it. You know, this, it's the right time and place and I need something. And so I say, yes, it's, it has nothing to do with ideals. It has only to do with like, got to make some money. What's the opportunity at hand? Why is it inconceivable that someone, the opportunity at hand is to, is to deal or to sweep floors in a casino? Like there's all sorts of, yeah. Right. You just there's. I'm work. a janitor, but for a casino. Yeah, I, That's a great example. Man, what do I? What Cleaning do I floors. Want? I'm a janitor, but I'm a janitor for a church. Okay, and we're all like, wow, you know. Or I'm a, listen, I'm a janitor for a school. Like, good for you. That's for great. You. Schools yeah. are important. I'm so glad. And someone's got to clean those floors. Good for you. But I'm a janitor for a casino. Well, same job. Yeah, <laughs> radically different employer, uh, but so and that's exactly that's that that is a phenomenal example actually. So we're okay saying Christians can be janitors. Totally, we're good. Totally. We're ready to rock with that. But let's say, and the janitor at the school probably feels. I I think they could probably find some space to feel good about themselves. I clean the floors uh, so the kids can learn. Good for them. Uh, but the janitor at the casino yeah. does he need to quit his job? Cleaning bathrooms. Does he need to say, the, uh, you know what? I can't. I just can't support this big, fat, oh, massive, man. demonic institution anymore. That's just sucking money out of people, and it's just and for nothing. I can't do it, and I can't yeah. clean the floors in this place anymore. And screw you. I mean, I think I would want to say if he did do that, I'd be like, Glory to God, good for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I don't want to say he has to. Yeah, and I think like the role of the conscience here. I mean, I think of, uh, I think of someone. Let's say like uh, Anthony, Saint Anthony, the Great. You know, is in church. Here's this scripture: uh, "Sell all you have and give it to the poor. Come follow me." And he experiences that as talking to, as speaking directly to him. Like that's, you know, if you think if God is putting it on your heart, if if you 
encounter Christ and and perceive him to be telling you that enough is enough and it's time to go, I think you've got to listen to that. Uh, I, I, you know, I think you do. And if, if, if you do, then, then there will be something, right? That's where a little bit of, a little bit of trust, a little bit of faith, a little bit of hope, like something, I, I think I feel that pretty firmly. I think I, I think I believe that pretty firmly. It's not always going to, I'm not going to promise that it's going to be lucrative or, or, you know, whatever, but God will have something for those who, who give up their life for him. But that's the way it proceeds, right? I don't think you can, I don't think you can manipulate that. I don't think you can be, I don't think you can calculate it and be like, okay, when Anthony comes into church today, I'm going to say this scripture and and then boom, he's going to sell everything. I don't think you can machine it that way. Right. I don't think you can do that. I don't think you can, you can, you, I don't know. Maybe there's a moment at which you're at, at which you, whoever you is like says, you know, like, what do you, what do you think about working as a janitor for a casino? Maybe that's something that you wind up saying, but can you have a podcast in which your goal is to like tell all janitors of casinos to leave their livelihood and, and, like what are, you, what, are, I don't know, what are you even talking about, right? There's something so deeply subjective about it, so so deeply spiritual about it. When the Lord confronts you, you know, and and you know, the, Anthony's kind of an excre- extreme example, but you do know, uh, you do know when you're working a job and things don't seem right, right? Pay attention to that. Uh, in part, I you know, in part, I learned that from. I heard that from Jordan Peterson at kind of a right time. It's like, you know, you may find yourself thinking these things or, or whatever at, at your job and pay attention to that. Maybe it's time for a change. Maybe dust up your resume, whatever, right? Like pay attention to those feelings. If you have misgivings of doubts, pay attention, meditate on them. Maybe it is time for a change. To me, I think that's how like, I think that's how it actually goes for most of us in the middle. You know what I mean? Which is almost all of us. I think which is almost all of us. No, that's that's super good, man. I, I think that's really really excellent because you're you're saying look for the look for the angelic voice in the in certain yeah. like radical extreme cases, and they're it's important to identify them because they do exist. Yeah. In certain radical extreme cases, you don't even need to do the work of discernment because it's just freaking self evident. Don't do that job. Yeah. But in, in, you know, whatever, 99.999% of all the different job titles that exist in this world are not going to be like that. They're going to be a job that you're just, you're just going to have to do the, the damn hard work of praying yeah. about whether to start and then praying about whether to continue and yeah. praying about whether to stop. Cause the flips, you know, on the one hand, you've got, some guy gets a job sweeping floors at the casino. That's what was open to him. The flip side of that is, okay, there's all sorts of janitors at casinos. You know, there are some people out there who are sweeping the floors and they look around and they're seeing who, who's coming to these places and what's happening to them. And you know, they're going home at night and being like, man, I don't know. This seems awful. I don't know if I could, I don't know if I should be doing this. You know that there are people out there who are thinking that. Yeah, absolutely. Right now, tonight. Right now, tonight. I'm sure. I'm sure that's right.
And I think, I think you ponder that. And I think you, I think you dust up your resume. I think you say your prayers to St. Xenia, right? What job, maybe is there another job out there for me? Maybe there's something. And then you never know, right? You never know who comes calling around the corner and says, oh, you know, I need some help doing this. You know, I don't know how it actually plays out, but. Or or it goes for years and you just. Yeah, right. You just sit prayerfully. You know, because I think there's another side to it, which is to say, also don't worry that much either. You know, if you if you took a job sweeping the floor at the casino just to just to put a roof over your kids' heads and your wife's head and put some food on that table and that's what was available and you're not comfortable and you're praying and you're hoping for something better and you're trying for something better and it doesn't come tomorrow and it doesn't come next month and it doesn't come next year. You know, don't that's Yeah. Hey, you're you're still in the same boat as me. Just like you were. It's not. You can only play the hand you got to keep yeah. gambling, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Like you got to play the Great. card you got. Nicely done. Right? Uh, I'm a big proponent of that. Right? Like you can't not to idealize it too much, right? The, the doors that are open are the doors that are open. Something's closing. You know, you, you've got the hand you've got. Play it the best you can. The problem, the the trouble comes in when you've got, you know, you've got a winning hand and you don't play it, ah. right? And you and you right for material gain or whatever it is, uh, the analogy breaks down, right? But you have, but when you know the truth, you know that there's a problem, and you just shunt that to the side and be like, nope, this is working good for me, and you stop paying attention to that. Like that's what the problem is. When you suspect something's wrong and you close your eyes, right? So when an opportunity comes and and you're like, no, no, no. We got to listen for the angels. You got to listen. Discern the spirits. Oh, man, that's heavy for me. (laughs) I don't know, man. But I think you're right. It's not clear, eh? It's just not clear. No. The messy middle. Well, I think we should call it a night, Greg. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think now's the time. See you in the next one. You bet. Money.